Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 34 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today I talk with Ronnie, Dalton's mom. I feel like I could have talked to Ronnie for hours and I had to limit things so as to not bore all of you, but she is just a delightful woman and I love talking to her and hearing about her story. Her son, Dalton died suddenly in an accident when he was 15 years old. This was six years ago. Since that time, a lot has happened in Ronnie's life, and she's also written a book. Now, you might guess that a book written by a grieving parent would be about grief and the loss of her child. And I suppose you would be partially right if you thought that. But in fact, this book is more than that. This book is about parenting without regrets. After the death of a child, many parents have so many regrets and feel like they did so many things wrong or could have done things better. Ronnie talks about enjoying the little things in life, enjoying those everyday moments. The book is called Parenting at Your Best Without Regrets. And you can get it on Amazon or on goodreads.com. I will certainly put a link to her webpage on my webpage so you can get to it there as well. If you want to hear more from Ronnie or from me in the next few days, we are going to have another virtual support group like I did a few weeks ago. This one is going to take place on Mother's Day. I've had a few moms ask if we might do something for Mother's Day uh, so that we can really be able to talk and share with other bereaved mothers on this super difficult day. So Ronnie and I will both be in the Zoom meeting. We are going to have it on Mother's Day. It will be at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Please, please, please email me at marcy at andysmom.com and I will be sure to send you a Zoom invitation for that. You can also reach out to me on the Andy's Mom Facebook page. I hope you enjoy this episode with Ronnie. Thank you so much, Ronnie, for agreeing to be on the show today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then I want you to talk about your son, Dalton. Okay. Um, Well, I'm Ronnie Wing Lambrecht. Um, I'm a realtor by trade um, and an author just for, just because, and... And that's awesome. Exactly. And I, I always have about five jobs at a time. And I'm, I'm always a very busy kind of a person. So 
so that's that's me in a nutshell. I've been we've been married. Uh, my husband and I have been married 25 years this month. And oh um, wow, that's a big milestone. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and he's right now we live in our camper while we're um, remodeling a house that we um, just bought in Tennessee, and um, that's what my husband does construction. So um, that's so you are you are quarantining in a camper. We are in Fun a camp. Yes, exactly. And I actually am not quarantining because apparently the real estate business is essential. Um, and so I also oh. work for a title company. And so I, I go to work every single day. So I'm, yeah. That's interesting because in Michigan, the real estate business is not essential. Oh. So you can't show a house. You can't do anything. Yeah, we can't you show may a list house. A house. Right yeah. you, can, you can list a house online from home. But you can't go anything and you can't meet with anyone or do anything. Right. So, yeah. Yes. So, and, and so that's anyway. pretty much how it is here other than the closing part. So, um, and I, that's the other side of what I do at the title company is I do the closings. And so, because, okay. because things are already happening, they consider that essential. So, oh. anyway. Well, that is fortunate. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am so. not exactly having to quarantine either because I have to go in and see patients, but then I got to put on all the garb and gowns and exactly not fun anyway and I and scare small children with my uh N95 mask (laughs) that's right (laughs) and are you pretty busy at work no uh uh-uh not at all okay we are so 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 slow kind of scary slow it's funny because people assume you're busy but you know since we're not really wanting to do checkups or anything like that and since no one is leaving the house no kids are getting sick i am seeing the most beautiful ears i have ever seen in my 15 20 years doing pediatrics because that's awesome no one has a cold so they have (laughs) these beautiful pristine eardrums so. Yeah, it's, but sadly, once they get back into the public and we've lowered their immune systems all this time, they're probably going to yeah, maybe, explode maybe then with we'll stuff. see a little bit of a bump. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Wow. Anyway, so why don't you talk to us about Dalton? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. So he was born in 1995. Um, his birthday would, was uh, last week or two weeks, two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, I guess, uh, April 25th. Um, so yeah. he would be 22 now. Um, we lost him when he was 15. But while he was alive, he was, oh, he was such an awesome kid. He was my best friend. As, as, a, young, as a really young kid, we fought all the time. I don't know. I think we were too much alike. We fought all the time. And both of us very hard-headed and that kind of a thing. And then about the time he was six or seven, I don't know, something, something clicked something turned around. I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but um, I did take red dye out of his diet at age seven. And literally within two weeks of that happening is like when the big change happened and we suddenly became best buddies. And while I was always mom, I was, we were still very, very close. We talked about everything. Yeah, we were really close. And he was, he was the counselor for his friends. We talked about therapy a little bit ago. He was Mm-hmm. He was the counselor. He was the guy that everybody talked to. And then he took all of their problems on his shoulders and then he came home. And then at night we would talk about it and he mm-hmm. would say, you know, I can't tell you who, but somebody's going through this and this is what's happening and blah, blah, blah. And what do you think? And we would talk it all through. And then if I thought that it was something that was needed more attention, I would call the counselor at school <laughs> and say, Dalton has a friend. I can't tell you who it is because I don't know. But there is someone who he is attached to at school that is having an issue and they're dealing with suicide or 
you know, a parent dying or a, you know, something happening. Anyway, but he was always the counselor for everybody. And, and while I knew that to a degree, until he passed away, we didn't know how deep that went and how many people it had affected that he was there for them. So um, anyway, but yeah, he was uh, definitely an old soul. He, I don't know, we, we talked about really deep things from the time he was seven or eight years old to, I mean, all through his life, just very deep things. And, and crazily enough, it was everything from suicide to, to what happens when your body starts changing and you play with it, (laughs) you know, all the, all the personal things. Um, Yeah, we were, we talked about everything. So we talked about sex and, you know, girlfriends and life and, you know, and what you expect when you get married, all those kind of things. So um, yeah, we were Mm -hmm. really close. We danced a lot. We sang a lot. Um, He loved to draw. I know you don't like to draw, but he loved to draw. I do not like to draw. Um, And he was a really good writer. He, he loved to write and um, he would never tell tell or show anybody what he wrote. Uh, But, uh, but he had awesome, you know, like little journals and stuff that he wrote in um, that had some pretty cool, cool little stories in them he liked to write stories so anyway that's neat yeah do you have some of those still yeah yeah we do oh so special yeah yep yeah yeah so what happened with Dalton um we went on Christmas vacation in 2013 to the Glamis sand dunes um I don't know if you've ever heard of them but they're in California they're the largest sand dunes in the United States that you can actually ride your four-wheelers on and um Mm -hmm. so we went and did uh, did that that was what he wanted for Christmas was to go on a trip to the sand dunes so we went there and um, we had let's see here four really really great days together and on the fifth day he was hit head-on by what's called a sand rail which is a really big dune buggy it's wow. about six times the weight of his four-wheeler uh, they hit him head-on going about 60 miles an hour um, oh my word. in a in a uh, five or 15 mile per hour zone and they were brand new to to driving this thing they had actually just gotten it that morning and we're just learning all about it um anyway yeah so wow so uh two inexperienced kids a 19 year old and a 21 year old yeah it was a horrible just just a horrible event for for them as well um yeah yeah, it was just awful. And, you know, a lot of people over the years have said, oh, you know, why don't you sue them or that kind of a thing. And it's just, that's not going to bring Dalton back and it's only going to hurt them more. And I mean, they've already been through enough and it's just a really sad, mm-hmm. sad, tragic event that, that um, and it killed him instantly when, when they hit him. So anyway, yeah. Were you nearby? I was still in the camper. They were actually just going to find a camp spot. Um, they, we were going to move from where we were to a new campsite. And mm-hmm. so they had gone across the dunes. Um, and the guys actually were in the truck on the road next to the sand dunes. And Dalton was riding alone on the sand dunes on the edge. Um, mm-hmm. And they were, when they found the site, they were going to have Dalton just kind of ride around and hang out at the site. So nobody else took it while they came back and got the campers to move. Um, to the- so who else was with you? Uh, we had some family friends, actually neighbors from Colorado that were mm-hmm. with us. Um, they had actually introduced us to the sand dunes about, what would that be, 15 months before that. And uh, 
so we had been there in March of 2012 and then okay and then this was December of 2013 so mm -hmm. yeah so so his dad kind of knew what happened right away or yeah they um the guy that John was with um saw the accident happen and told John to pull off the road right away and then they ran down to Dalton and John kind of held him as sorry <clears throat> I know John held him in his arms as he took his last breath and the other guy went to get help um, because there was no you know no you're in the dunes there's no phone service or anything so he went to get the rangers and and get help and stuff and and so that happened at uh 10 37 california time um and they didn't get back to the trailer until about 1 p.m california time um and all that time i was texting and calling and trying to get a hold of him and figure out what's going on why is it taking you guys so long and you know and didn't you know i and just didn't know what was going on and then when they got back to the camper and and then found out all that anyway so you didn't find out until they got back right 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 um and then it was they probably very, it was a very um a, just a weird i mean you know as well as i know it's just a weird situation everything is so surreal you feel like you're watching from outer space you know kind of watching yourself as things mm -hmm. happen and yeah and, john, and all john just kept saying is we lost him and i'm saying well, the kid is brilliant. He knows exactly what to do if he gets lost. I'll put nice. on my boots. We'll go find him. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I, um, I, yeah, I, I, I literally came out, got my boots, and went back, and yeah, and I was, I was getting ready to go. I got all my gear on and all that, and my, and my husband's saying, "No, honey, we lost him. We lost him. We lost him." And I'm saying, "Well, we'll find him." Like, <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't doesn't make sense to me. Like. It, He's smart. We've taught him his whole life how to handle these, you know, how to handle getting lost. And, and I, you know, obviously terminology, I'm not realizing what he means by lost. Sure. It took, sure. took quite a while. I know. I, you know, Andy died when we were, we were hit too right. um, by someone who was mm -hmm. distracted when they were driving. And I, people, my entire office and staff were waiting at the baseball game and we were really less than a mile from there they could hear all the sirens at the baseball game you could see the stadium from where we were hit so I had wow. to then you know call people right and he and they had told us he and was, was his instantaneous right away it oh, was did. although okay. his dad's an anesthesiologist um so and I lost consciousness but he pulled him out and he did CPR and he eventually intubated him when the firemen got there and when people so he did he worked on him for a very very long time but um the autopsy did show he died instantaneously right but again when I was telling people my friends and then the people at the baseball I said we've been in an accident and Andy's dead because I didn't want that to happen I didn't want to say we lost him or anything like that because I didn't and then and then every time I had to say it twice because they all said what right <laughs> you know the, nobody nobody believes you and even then my nurse who you know she dropped the phone and then another nurse picked it up and I had to say again Andy's dead and still I don't think they all really thought Andy was dead you know what I mean I think right. they are thinking she's 
there's something not right with her. There's no way he's dead. Like you don't just die on the side of the road. Everybody makes it to the hospital. Right. And you it's try. exactly what we, yes. Right. Yes. I mean, that's what you're thinking is that you don't just die on the side of the road. You don't just die in the sand dunes. They, somebody gets to try right. to get you back. So I think that that's similar in our stories that Very way. Very much so. And the dad's doing everything they yeah. could to bring and them the dads, back. And yes, yeah. Yeah, that's and they're just cool. not being any way to do it. And, even, and they're very close in age, too. My, you know, Andy was 14 mm -hmm. and Dalton was 15. Yeah. So, yeah. so very close. So we do have very similar stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the way I found her, just to let my audience know, is that she was on another podcast, Threads Podcast, and I was also a guest on Threads podcast. And as soon as they interviewed Ronnie, they wrote me and said, you need to have this woman on your show. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's perfect for you. So, um, so anyway, we ended up getting in touch and her being on my show as well. So again, thank you to Threads. We have to do a shout out to Absolutely. Threads podcast, Life Unfiltered. It's a great show that I really do enjoy listening to. Those are two great guys that really romance, great guys so. yeah that was one of my favorite mm -hmm. interviews they're really cool guys yeah you know yeah. one of mine as well I really enjoy being on that show yeah so. I think they just they asked really good questions and you feel like they care you know they're not just trying to have a guest on you know they do really really care yeah yeah that was really cool so and they they tr definitely try to help you yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> We laugh only because they talked to both of us about being in therapy and whether we're in therapy and they wanting to, they want to take care of us and make sure we're getting um, good psychological treatment uh, for after, yes. after our losses. So <laughs> exactly. So why don't you now uh, just talk a little bit about what happened, like those days and months and just that process I think you were in a unique situation because Dalton was your only child. Yeah. So that that is unique, too, to have that. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, it was a long time, actually, that we were still in California to get to Colorado. So it happened on Sunday, December 29th, and we didn't get back to Colorado until Sunday, January 4th. Um, wow. And it was because... The police there lied to us about where they took Dalton, uh, where oh, they no. took his body, and it was this whole long, horrible process. And it and it was funny too because we have this big camper and this and the garage in the back of this camper that we had our four wheelers in, mm -hmm. and we obviously knew Dalton's four wheeler wasn't coming back with us. I kept saying, you know, we need first of all we need to find out where he is, but you know we've always talked that if any of us went, we would be cremated, and so. It, it originally had not dawned on me that he wouldn't be cremated before we went home. But then when family gets involved and tells you what they want and this, that, and the other, I'm sure you know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about, mm -hmm. um, they wanted to be able to see him. And so the logistics of that were insane. But, uh, but I instantly put all my effort toward that because it kept me busy, kept me productive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so the family wanted to see him and and they wanted him to be in Colorado and they wanted to physically see him so so then we have to figure out where he's at we have to 
pay those people to do all the embalming and we have to pay them to do the special embalming that takes you from a low altitude to a high altitude so that he doesn't turn green in the process. There's, oh my word. Oh yeah, there was all kinds of science behind this. And, and then I had to get permits to go through each state because you're going from California through Arizona, through New Mexico, through Colorado. You have to get permits to cross the state lines um, with a body. And we originally had talked about having him flown home, um, but because the temperatures were so terribly at that point in many parts of the country, planes were not going just from California or Arizona to Colorado. They were like diverting them, it was really stupid, to Atlanta, and then they would go from Atlanta to somewhere else, to Idaho or something, and then back into Colorado. And that all being said, they would not allow me to travel with Dalton's body. And my argument was he wouldn't have traveled by himself at age 15 if he was human and he was very adult-ish in life. Um, He was very mature Um, and and I wouldn't have had him travel alone then. I'm certainly not going to have him travel alone when he can't speak for himself. Um, Mm -hmm. And they would not allow me to go with him if we put him on an airplane. Wow. So my argument was, well, we have this huge camper with and his bike's not going to be in the camper anymore. Can we just bring him home with us in the camper? And everybody thought I was a lunatic. But I was like, well, there's no other way to get him home. Like, that's, it's just stupid. Otherwise, otherwise, you try and pay a company, a freezer truck company, and, you know, all these stupid things you have to learn um, that, that I yeah. never wanted to learn in my lifetime. Anyway, so we, we ended up, it took five solid days of hard work trying to get it all figured out. But we did end up bringing him home with us and he, his body sat right in the spot where his bike would have sat had we been taking his bike home with us. And then it took three days to get home or two, I guess two days to get home. It was very, very cold and we're in this huge camper and high winds and um, all that. So we had, it was just a lot of, a lot of logistics and, and fear that we we're going to have and another stress. accident. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, oh. um, yeah, so we're pulling, you know, the truck and then a 43-foot fifth wheel with bikes in it and Dalton. And um, and needless to say, all those permits didn't, we didn't even need those because nobody stopped us. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, but but yeah, so it's just, it's just all the logistics and then getting home and then, and actually the night that Dalton died, I actually sat in our bed and I wrote a four-page program for his service. And I pretty much wow. that night had his entire service figured out other than the location. And that all stems from the first time that we were in Glamis in 2012, my husband had a terrible accident and we thought that we were going to lose him. Wow. Yes. Crazy, crazy story. But as Dalton and I were sitting waiting for the helicopter to get there for my husband in 2012, Dalton said, you know what, if we lost daddy, this is what I think daddy would want because this is what I would want. And he laid it out for me. He said I would want all my favorite songs. I would want people to be able to talk. I would want really good food. I would want to make it a big party. Um, I wouldn't want an actual funeral where people are sad and you do a bunch of religious stuff. And I know that's what daddy would, you know, that's how daddy would feel too. So literally he told me everything when we were talking about possibly losing John in his accident and he's totally okay now is john uh, John is fine now 
but yeah and and from where john's accident was to where dalton's accident was it's about a half mile and you can see exactly where dalton's accident happened from where john's accident happened it's really wow. it's so weird that is but we know i mean to us we know now why john's accident happened because that's what i was going to say it really was kind of a gift for you wasn't yes. it to be able to have that conversation with Dalton that you never ever would have had otherwise. Exactly. And, and at that point here, he was 13 years old. Like who has this conversation with a 13 year old kid. Right. Uh Um, Uh But he was, he was like right there. And this is what I think dad would want. And, um, and because this is what I would want. And like, yeah, I mean, he laid everything out for me. So I literally had every single detail planned that night other than, wow. you know, where we were going to have it and who was going to provide the food. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of our story, too, and that not that Andy ever said a thing what he would want, but one bit of foreshadowing kind of that we had was when Andy was like about seven years old, he drew a family picture at school one of those big white sheets of paper that you have to draw the whole family, right? right? And he drew a big tree and the sun in the corner. And I still remember the picture. And he was so excited to show me. I I had him, you know, picked him up. He was in the back of the van. And I'm unbuckling him and he's unrolling this picture to show me in the van. And there are four people in the picture and not five. Oh, and I said, I said, Andy, what did you, who's in the picture? Why aren't all five of us in the picture thinking, was he mad at his sister or his brother or that he didn't put him in? Who's not in the picture? Right. And he just looked at me so innocently, still super excited about this picture and said, well, mommy, I'm not in the picture. I'm not going to grow up all the way. I'm in heaven. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Wow. And I just immediately cried out, please, God, no. Because he was so certain, he was so certain that he wasn't going to grow up all the way and that our family would just be four. And, and it terrified me, you know, at the time, obviously. But again, it was like this little gift now. I mean, Eric and I talked about it that night of the accident, you know, remember the picture. Right. And I had told people about the picture because it freaked me out so much because it seemed so, so real. And he had thought it was so real. Right. So, and of course I didn't save the picture because I didn't want evidence that it even had happened. And I didn't want to think that it was possible to happen. But it, it reminds me, I mean, that seems very similar in that having just this. The foresight. Really a little bit of, yes, a little foresight and a little bit of a gift in some ways that he was completely okay with it. Just similar to Dalton saying, if this were to happen to me, this is what I would want. Mm -hmm. He was telling you that in a way like he was totally okay with that. Absolutely. You know? Well, and the night before Dalton died, we were sitting outside and we had just eaten dinner. And he was sitting in his chair sideways with his hoodie up over his head. And he just looked kind of sad. And um, it was just him and I because everybody else had gotten up and was going doing other things. And I said, hey, dude, are you okay? Is everything okay? Are you sad or something? And he goes, no, no, everything's fine. I'm totally content with my life right now. Wow. Yeah. What 15-year-old wow. says the word content, right? 
Yeah. But that's what he said yeah. to me sitting, laying there in that chair. And it was like, that is the weirdest thing. And then the morning of the accident, he had just gotten this GoPro that he had been wearing on his helmet all week. Uh-huh. Um, and that morning he came in and said, Hey, I'm going to go with daddy to find a new campsite. Um, here's my GoPro. He pops it out of his helmet. Here's uh-huh. my GoPro. Can you put it away for me so that we don't lose it? Cause you know, they're little. And yeah. I said, yeah, I'm going to put it right over here on this shelf and it'll stay right here in this box, you know, till you get back in case I forget where I put it. <laughs> I'm telling you where I put right, it. Right, right. But isn't that incredible? Because it was set to anytime he was moving, it would record. Mm-hmm. Though it would have recorded the whole accident. Um, yeah. And that, which in that, some ways, yeah. you know, you think, oh, I wish I could be there and, and know what happened. But then, you know, obviously, otherwise, otherwise I don't want to know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's very similar to me. I lost consciousness with the accident. I don't remember the accident. I, I'm certain. I don't know how much before the accident I can, I can tell you the last thing I remember saying to Eric was this doesn't look so bad, meaning traffic didn't look so bad and he hadn't switched lanes yet. So, you know, I forgot a portion before and a good, I don't know, 20 minutes after or something at least because everybody was there and I, I kick myself in some ways, right? Because I wasn't, I was there, but I wasn't right. I you didn't get wish I would have. get to touch him. Right. I didn't get to do any of that, but I know in some ways it was a gift. So it's good and bad, right? Because I would have given anything to have not forgotten the last moments of my son's life. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, but I know they would have been horrific moments to have too. So just like those would have been horrific scenes to have to see. Right. Uh, especially when you, but even though a bit of you wants to know right you want to have almost experienced it with them yes more or through their eyes yes or through their eyes their eyes through their emotions you know like did they did they know what was happening or was it so quick that that they didn't even realize Mm -hmm. you know that kind of Mm -hmm. a thing yeah absolutely absolutely and has has andy come to you in dreams at all you know, not not too much. I I recently interviewed another mom a few a few weeks ago, and she definitely has very strong dreams, very spiritual. As he was dying, and then afterwards, and it's interesting. After I had a conversation with her, then then I did. I had a dream of Andy, and it was very funny because he was totally alive and fine. And what was funny in the dream is he said, remember mom when I was dead (laughs) (laughs) in the dream? Like, yep, I I remember. And it was like totally normal us having this conversation. Like he was dead, but now he's not dead. Right. And he's fine and he's doing stuff. So how about you? Um, I've had two. One was extremely vivid where I know, literally, I know, he came and jumped in bed with me. And when I say jumped, I mean a 15-year-old boy flying up in the air and landing on his back in your bed. Jump, you know, uh-huh. like a 15-year-old boy does, where they land on you and it hurts really bad. <laughs> <laughs> They're like body slamming you kind of a thing. But yeah, I remember him, where what he was wearing, you know, everything and how he, how he looked and smelled and everything. But he jumped in bed with me and he grabbed my arms and wrapped him around him tight. And then he lifted up his arm. And he showed me where the big cut was from the accident on his arm. 
mm-hmm. which I had said to John, they say that there was a big cut on his arm, you know, and John's like, I don't remember seeing a big cut on his arm, but, you know, obviously he had to have cut it on something, but I just don't know what it would have been or whatever. And I remember asking John about it, but then I said to Dalton, you know, show me your arm. And he lifts up his arm and he's like, see, mom, see, it doesn't hurt anymore. And it was like this big gash, but it was the skin pulled over. Like, so it mm-hmm. wasn't bleeding. It wasn't, but it was, it was a big scar. It was really weird. But he, yeah, he told me that he was fine and he didn't hurt anymore. And that it was, that he was painless now. And that he loved me and that he knew how much I loved him. It was really cool. And then, um, and then another one that I had, I have, I had been begging him and begging him to please take me through the accident. And so it was both of us on each of our four wheelers and I was following him and I watched the accident happen. Mm-hmm. And and he walked me through everything that happened and showed me the reason that I wasn't there was because I went crazy oh. when it happened. So anyway. It's interesting <clears throat> how your mind can see it, right? Yes. I thought about that a lot, that I feel like I can see what happened because I know what happened and I've had it explained to me. And then I feel like I can see it because your mind just fills in all those details so vividly yes it's it's kind of crazy it is very crazy um and the fact that the that the human i don't know what you call it spirit uh character i don't know that we want to know i can't tell you how long i fought with the california police to send me the pictures of the accident site and because their their report was so ridiculous and so wrong in so mm-hmm. many ways. And so yeah. I wanted to see the pictures because I didn't understand. And the other side of it was, I was convinced he had been decapitated because of when we went to the funeral home the fourth day, the guy wouldn't let me get close to Dalton's face. He said, if you bump him, um, bad things will happen. And he told me I couldn't touch Dalton's face and that I couldn't get close to his head. One of the big things Dalton and I used to do was we would rub our cheeks together uh-huh. And so I went to his face to do that. And the, the funeral director guy told me I wasn't allowed to do that because it could make his head move the wrong way. And so I just assumed that he must have been decapitated and John was not telling me because they also had his neck completely covered with this gauze tape stuff. And uh-huh. so I just thought they like put him together for me. And yeah, it's so morbid to think about those things. But then it took six months, but the California um, police finally sent me the pictures and he was not, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. I've not looked at the pictures. There are lots of pictures um, that I've not seen. I did go see our van. We went to our van afterwards. Uh, It was so horrible. It's amazing that the rest of us were really okay with how bad that looked. But yeah, I've not, I've not looked at them. Neither has Eric. Neither one of us have I've looked at any pictures, but you're right. It's interesting because our report too. some of it you read and like, well, that's not right. Like one of the reports had him totally in the wrong seat. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, like that is not right. Uh, that's I mean, obviously, when the by the time the police got there, he wasn't in the seat. Right. Because Eric had taken him out of the seat. But there are just different things that happen. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, and it's almost like because it takes them so long to do these reports that it's like they get them mixed up. I think that's yes. what happened. I mean, it took it took so many months mm-hmm. to get it done. 
I don't know about the people that hit Dalton, but the the woman that hit us had charges brought up against her. She ended up just getting a misdemeanor and losing her license for a year. But, you know, there were charges, certainly. She was going far too fast. It was a construction zone. There's she, There was no reason she should have been going even close to as fast. So we had these court appearances, you know, that she would go to court and we would be sitting. And we would be in a different room. They wouldn't keep us in the same room. But one of the days, her attorney said, well, well, like basically said that Andy maybe didn't have a seatbelt buckled and maybe had his head out the window. Oh, I mean, it's like, that's so, I mean, I was so mad. I was so mad. Like that day I wanted to sue her until, you know, absolutely (laughs) for everything she had. I mean, we ended up, we did not do that, but that day I wanted to. And then I was like, you want to go to court, honey? I will take you to court. Right. Because first of all, we're in a minivan. The window doesn't even go down. He couldn't put his head out the window had he wanted. And I'm a pediatrician for crying out loud. My kids wouldn't even think about being anywhere without a seatbelt. You know, I had him in car seats for forever. Right. (laughs) You know. I mean, I think Peter was still in a booster seat when he was 12. So, (laughs) I mean, it's so did you have to go through criminal stuff, too? No, we did not. No, because it was BLM land. um, They don't get a ticket or anything like that. Okay. So, yeah. um... Which is, I suppose, I mean, it was a blessing to not have to go through that. But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. there for there to be no repercussion seems like a lot, too. Yeah, I think the repercussion is what they went through I think yeah I think so too I mean our the person that hit us she she had significant problems with mental illness and depression afterwards so um, yeah I don't know I would think the same would be for those people too those young kids yeah they did actually one was on suicide watch for quite a while so and I and we've heard from his family from their family twice um, oh have you which has been really weird but yeah yeah it is weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, really weird. But yeah. I mean, it did get to the point where on the day of court, the final day of court, where I saw her just really the second time, because the other times they would keep us separate. So I saw her the first time when she the charges were brought up. And then the last time when she ended up um, just, you know, having the misdemeanor and losing her license, I did hug her at the end and I told her I forgave her which I did and I still do um and I think that was big for her yeah to be able to get that and hear that because that is a lot to have to live with certainly absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something we we did nearly immediately um was sent a letter to the family and just asked them you know to go on and live their lives and and live their lives and do it for Dalton yeah you know just keep pushing forward and and doing everything that they could do. And if they're ever scared to do anything, you know, great in their life to do it because Dalton would want them to do it and to do the things that he couldn't do and enjoy their lives and have lots of babies because we'll never have grandbabies. And yeah, but, and then it took them quite a while to come back to us, but we got a a letter from the grandma and a letter from the mom. We've never heard from the boys. Yeah. So I'm sure that's still got to be a huge relief to have gotten that from you and gotten that forgiveness yeah. from you for them. Yeah. I mean, it's just got to. Yeah. Absolutely. So I know that you lived in Colorado at the time and now you live in Tennessee. So what kind of happened through all of this that brought that change about? 
I know um, a lot. So yeah. Well, almost immediately after Dalton passed away, my husband um, said he wanted out of Colorado and that he wanted out of our house. We had built that house. We designed and built the house ourselves and, and wanted, we thought that that house would be handed down to Dalton and our grandkids one day. And um, we built it for a forever home kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so I, honest to God, I, when we built the house, we never, ever thought we would sell it. And then, you know, this happened, life changes, right? And mm-hmm. uh, my husband said, I cannot come home every night and look up those stairs and not see him at his desk. Um, Cause that was kind of the norm when we got home from work at night, Dalton would be doing homework at his desk in his bedroom, which was directly at the top of the stairs. And we would come in every night and it would be pitch black and he'd have his monitor on typing out his reports or his, you know, essays or mm-hmm. whatever he was doing for school. And so you could kind of see the light shining in his face sideways from looking up the stairs kind of a thing. It's kind of goofy, but it's a pretty vivid memory for both of us. Yeah. I think that's a good description. I can see it in my mind. Yeah. And so, um, and that was one of the things John just kept saying is I cannot walk into this house every single night after work and look up the stairs and know that he's not there. And, and it's, uh, and for, for many years, it was kind of like a slap in the face every night when you walked in it by habit, you still look up the stairs Mm -hmm. and Hey Deej, I'm home or, you know, Hey babe, I'm here. You know, what are you doing? Or, you know, you know, just what you do, right? You're a mom and Mm -hmm. you walk in the door and, or you're a dad and you walk in the door and talk to your kid. Um, But yeah, so John just kept saying he, we just needed to get out of that house and this, that, and the other. And I kept saying, there's absolutely no way we're never selling. Right. Absolutely not. He grew up here. Uh, Mm -hmm. All of all of our memories are here. Like there's no way in hell. Stuff's here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we'll never, ever, ever sell this house, nor would I ever leave my family in Colorado like that. You're smoking crack if you think that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. And then he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, four years, yeah, four years and four months after we had lost Dalton, he decided that we, that we needed to sell it, that, that he was serious. That it was time. And yeah. So we put the house on the market and for the first... <laughs> nine months of the house being on the market every time someone would call to to want to see it or ask why we were selling or whatever because I'm a realtor and so I was the agent Mm -hmm. Um, these other agents would call and they would say oh my gosh I can't believe you're selling your house it's so beautiful and blah 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 and I think I have buyers that are interested and I'd say please don't sell my house yeah Oh, what a terrible realtor I am, yeah, right? I was going to say, that doesn't sound like a good realtor at all. <laughs> not what he hired me to do, right? Um, no. Uh, anyway. He probably was thinking about firing you at some point, right? Yeah, well, he, <laughs> he didn't realize that that was happening until one day when it happened about nine months in. And he walked in my office as I was crying to another agent that my husband wants to sell the house, but I don't. Please, please, please don't bring your people by. <laughs> And then he said, you know what? You were found out. Yeah. Yeah. We have to, we have to do this. We, this is, it's so important to me. And I've been, you know, here in Colorado with your family for 25 years and, or 24 years at that point. And we need to make a change. We need a change in our lives and we need to start fresh and we need to do it by ourselves on our own and learn how to hundred percent depend on each other again. And I knew he was right. I did know he was right. But the thought of having gone through all this, losing Dalton and everything, and then leaving my family was like, 
a whole nother death. It was mm-hmm. a whole nother grieving process to leave. I've never, ever been more than 26 miles from my parents, um, you know, vacations or whatever, but never, we've never lived more than 26 miles from mom and dad or my wow. sister. Yeah, I, it was just impossible to me. I, I could not visualize it. I couldn't, it was just not real. But he kind of set down the law that night that he had done his time and it was time to do what he wanted to do. We've always done what I wanted to do. And if we want this marriage to last, that I need to buck up and, and mm-hmm. you know, cowboy up and get it done. So, yeah, then we, we came to Nashville for a family vacation, um, meeting his mom and sister and stuff. We all kind of met in Nashville, I guess, I guess, and hung out a little bit. And so we decided we would kind of look around for houses and stuff while we were out here. And um, and then at that point, he decided, you know, this is definitely 100 percent. Well, this is where we're going to move. There's good music here. We love music. Live music is a big thing for us. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it took a really long time. It took me a year and a half to sell our house. <laughs> 14 months in a really hot market. It took me 14 months to sell our house. <laughs> um, but but I finally got it done. Um, and uh, Did you feel good about it when you did? No. No. Not at all. Mm. Nope. We did find the right people to buy the house. We still keep in touch with them today. They still send me pictures um oh, that's nice. things that they're doing they um they are also a one child family um and their daughter loves dalton's bedroom and they're obviously making the house their own and it was the perfect location for them but yeah i was i was not ready yeah but but i think i had to be kicked in the butt a little bit to to make it happen and and at this point now that we are actually this week we are one year into this being away yeah, one year from tomorrow actually is when we closed on the house. Um, oh, wow! And sold it. It w- it was a good thing for our relationship. Um, it is, okay. It has a one hundred percent made us focus one hundred percent on each other and support each other and and it has built. I mean, we've always had a very strong marriage, but this this has made it. I I don't. I couldn't even tell you exponentially better we laugh more, we talk more, we, it's gotten way better. That is nice to be able to truly rely on each other in that way. I'm sure that is helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So talk to me about your writing. Well, we decided kind of early on, actually, John has a ton of regrets. My husband, John, has a ton of regrets about Dalton and things he didn't do and or things he did do that he shouldn't have I don't know he's got tons of regrets and some of them are insane regrets Uh we do crazy things to ourselves and we beat ourselves up for things that that are not logical one of the Uh one of the really crazy things that he beats himself up about is that he never threw a baseball with Dalton never played baseball with him and every American dad plays baseball with their son And I'm like, he never wanted to play baseball. He had a baseball and a bat and a glove, and he never touched him. He never wanted to play baseball. So don't think he missed out. You don't, yep. need, to, you don't need to beat yourself up about it. But that's one of the things that literally for like the first, I don't know, 14 months probably, that was almost a daily beat himself up because he yeah. never played baseball with Dalton. And, and then, you know, there's a lot of those kind of things. There are things that are very valid regrets um, that we both have there. But, but most of the regrets, I think, are kind of ridiculous. 
and mm -hmm. but it, again it is it's the human it's human nature to beat ourselves up about crazy things and and we do we worry about things and beat ourselves up about them and so from that um john said you know it would really be nice if we could kind of put something together and help other parents so that if somebody else were to lose their kid that they don't have the same regrets that i do mm -hmm. and then in the same instance um i was i had been writing on facebook because people um, i have a pretty large sphere on facebook um and people would just ask questions and i would honestly answer them you know, just about how, you know, how you're really doing in the grief process and what is a day like and, you know, what is a holiday like? What is, you know, how do you actually feel? What does it physically feel like? What is it, you know, all these things that people, people have no idea what grief is like. Mm -hmm. And I know you know what and I'm talking about. And they're way too scared to ask. Yes, very scared to ask. Yes. Um, or they throw you those stupid ass platitudes like God needed oh. another angel and oh, they just plucked its flower from earth too early or, you know, all the other, I know all that the garbage. other bullshit that, I'm um, sorry, it, oh, <laughs> you just want to punch somebody in the face. But I know I said those stupid things at some time too. I'm I sure, know. I'm sure I said those stupid things. People do and say I'm, such stupid things yes. and you just have to have so much grace Yes. as a grieving person to exactly to just so much grace not, just to accept it. oh yeah my husband exactly. always says you have to have grace for other people but you have to have grace for yourself and I think yes. that's what you're talking about too with that regret you know my husband was big into that at first too like I didn't spend enough time with him I was like what are you talking about you spent tons of time with him you right. know he we had season tickets for Michigan State basketball like, what kid, well, he got to go to every home Michigan State basketball game from, like, the time he was three. That's, like, wow. amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, totally. 10, 11 years of that? That's awesome. But, yeah, he was kicking himself that he didn't do enough stuff with him and he didn't get to do enough cool stuff with him or spend enough time with him. Like, that's just ridiculous. But right. it is what you say to yourself. It right. is. Yeah. It's, we beat ourselves up. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, I'm too fat or I'm too skinny or I don't like the way my hair looks or, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, we, we feed ourselves negative negativity all the time, I think. And it's just human nature in a lot of ways. Um, and so you have to figure out ways to combat that. But anyway, so in the, in the gist of John coming up with that idea and then me communicating with people on Facebook and writing kind of not really blogs, but just kind of answering people's questions and being open. Mm -hmm. People would say, oh my God, you really helped me or you should write a parenting book because this, what you said made me really focus in on my kid and, or made me really, you know, change this with my child or, you know, whatever. Anyway, and so I just started putting ideas together and, um, and then it turned into 31 chapters <laughs> of, of, um, straightforward tips for parenting at your best so um and basically what That's i awesome yeah so basically what i did in each chapter was i just kind of took a story in our lives from what had happened with dalton and then i did straightforward tips like we really major screwed this up <laughs> and i would never <laughs> recommend that you do this <laughs> or these are ways that we think it could have happened better or you know, this, this actually really did work for us. And it was fantastic. Just tips on parenting, but things that are really good everyday tools and tips to use, not this, you know, not all this crazy stuff like a therapist would tell you to do or something like a big, you know, nothing fancy, just practical. simple things. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Really practical, mm -hmm. 
you know, do the dishes together, do laundry together, you know, when you're riding to school in your car, sing together, or just practical things that you can do to create memories in regular everyday life, rather than always looking for the big things. So yes. I think that most of society is so focused on going to Disney World next year, or, you know, some big event is happening in six months, or whatever, and, and we forget that today is special and today is right here and we can make memories right now. And, and not just with our kids, with everybody in our lives. If you choose to spend five minutes with a human being or your dog or your cat or whatever, if you choose to spend your time with someone or something, then you should spend your time with that someone or something without being distracted and focus on it and put your effort toward it and enjoy it. I spent a lot of my life working 80 to 100 and some odd hours a week. And a lot of it was, you know, obviously without John and Dalton and coming home late at night and or working from home and but being out with clients or whatever and showing homes and, you know, all the things that you have to do to run a business and to pay the bills and that kind of thing. And I, I just think that we, we just spend too much time focusing on tomorrow next year, mm -hmm. 10 years from now, and all these big goals that people have versus, you know what, I'm here right now, my kids right next to me, you know what, we could make dinner together and we can dance in the kitchen. Like, yeah, you know, like just take the moment and do it. Just be there, be in it. And that's the stuff that I end up missing the most. Yeah. The little things. Oh, it is. It Those is. are the things that come up and grab you and you exactly. just miss, right? Totally. And it's the, it is, it's uh, all the, um, like, I can look back on pictures of vacations and stuff that we took. And I got to tell you, the Disney World trip, I don't miss it. Couldn't care less. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. the, when he walked down the stairs every single morning and our stairs kind of fed right into the kitchen and he would stop right there while I was taking my vitamins and he'd give me a humongous hug. Mm -hmm. And then I would, I would either say, Oh my God, we're late. We're going to miss the bus. Or he would say, Hey mom, could you just drive me today? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it would, but that those, those morning hugs, I miss more than anything. I miss mm -hmm. the, the highs and lows at night. We would lay in his bed and we would cuddle and, and just being together and talking about everybody's highs and lows and singing in the car. I miss together. the cuddling the most. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah, totally. So and funny, doing... he was a cuddler. He was a cuddler yeah. even at 14, which I, yes. and I, I have to say, I totally appreciated it then. I really did, which I'm so glad I did. Cause I remember thinking to myself, one of these days, he's not going to want to do this anymore. So I have exactly. to appreciate every second that he still does. Yes. And what a blessing that he always did, that he never stopped. Right. Exactly. And did he ever do the, yeah. I don't well, I think it was Dalton's 13th birthday. He said to me, um, mom, we cannot call it cuddling anymore. We have to call it hanging out. <laughs> So every night from that birthday forward, I would say, hey, can we go hang out now? <laughs> we were still, he was still okay with cuddling. He would say, cool. mom, can I cuddle? Mom, you want to cuddle? Oh, um, that's awesome. And then, and then I would say, I love you. And he would say, I love you more. And we would have this argument back and forth. And I would say, no, no, I love you more. And he would say, no, no, I love you more. And it would just go on and on. 
ridiculousness and yes. so i would i would usually stop him by saying you know like trying to say well i guess it's the same or something but i think in my head but you don't know anything kid because i love you more yeah you know exactly yeah exactly yeah. yeah when dalton was four we watched toy story and got the two infinity and beyond from that and he came out after watching toy story and he said mom i love you to infinity and beyond and so that's been our thing like his whole life was was i love you to infinity and then the other person would say and beyond and whoever got to say and beyond was the one who loved you more <laughs> yeah that's awesome they yeah. sounded like very similar souls in that very way. much huh. so it sounds like we've got very very similar stories yeah we do and our kids uh, our relationships were so similar which is why i know the guys on threads podcast ben and jason were so insistent that i had to get a hold of you and get you on the show because i think they <laughs> exactly. thought we are very similar people this yes. will go, go well yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on and sharing your story. I'm going to make sure to have links to your website on my website so people can visit and and to your Facebook so awesome. more people can get to know that and hopefully get your book. I've got to get your book. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.